I'm Sean. I'm, I'm, I'm one of the pastors here, and um, it's, uh, it's my privilege to welcome you. And this morning, we are continuing in our series, uh, in our series on Philippians. Um, yeah, which has, been, which has been really cool. S- side note, it's, it's, it's Nick's absolute favorite uh, epistle, which I, think is, which I think is pretty cool, especially because it's like Paul's happiest, cheeriest. <laughs> uh, 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 yeah, I just love the, the dichotomy in that. It's, <laughs> <laughs> just kidding. I'm just kidding. So the, the, the reality is that if you're, if, you're near, if you're new here, you're just kind of getting caught up to where we're at in, 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 in Philippians. Um, Philippians, the, the Apostle Paul has been imprisoned uh, in, a Roman, in a Roman prison. Um, and Roman prisons weren't cushy. Uh, they, there wasn't like, you know, three square meals a day. And, and uh, if people didn't take care of you, you were in a lot of trouble. And so the, uh, the Philippian church, which is one of the, the, the uh, first churches that Paul founded, it's recorded in Acts chapter 16, which we looked at, um, has sent a really sacrificial and a really needed gift um, of finances to Paul to help take care of him. And that came through a guy by the name of Epaphrodites, who we're going to talk a little bit about. Uh, he got sick, um, and uh, everyone was worried, uh, in, including Paul. And uh, essentially what the Philippian uh, letter is, 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 a, is a letter of Paul saying thank you. Uh, it's a letter of real affection uh, and, and saying thank you to the Philippian church. And, and while he's saying thank you, uh, he likes to point out a couple of uh, very practical things of how they have imitated Christ in his humility, and he exhorts them to continue to do so. Uh, it's, really, it's really a wonderful, wonderful book. So we're going we're gonna to jump right in this morning. We're going to be looking at Philippians chapter 2, verse 19 through 30. I'm going to read this kind of long passage, and then we'll, we'll walk through different, uh, different elements of it. I'm reading from the ESV, and it should be, uh, should be on the screen. I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you soon so that I too may be cheered by news of you. For I have no one like him who, will genuinely, uh, who is genuinely concerned for your welfare. For they all seek their own interests, not those of Jesus Christ. But you know Timothy's proven worth, how as a son with a father he has served with me in the gospel. I hope therefore to send him just as soon as I see how it will go with me. And I trust in the Lord that shortly I myself will come also. I have thought it necessary to send to you Epaphrodites, my brother and fellow worker and fellow soldier, and your, men, your messenger and minister to my need. For he has been longing for you all and has been distressed because you heard that he was ill. Indeed, he was ill, near to death, but God had mercy on him. And not only on him, but on me also, lest I should have sorrow upon sorrow. I am the more eager to send him, therefore, that you may rejoice at seeing him again, and that I may be less anxious. So receive him in the Lord with all joy and honor such men. For he nearly died for the work of Christ, risking his life to complete what was lacking in your service to me. This is the word of the Lord. Now, I don't know, you might be thinking like I did when I first found out I was preaching this, like this, there's a lot in here, but this also just kind of sounds like you're emailing somebody your travel itinerary. <laughs> I'm like, okay, the, the thing before this is just rich theological goodness, and the thing that's coming after this gets back into some rich theological goodness, and then it's like, Hey, mom and dad, I'm going to show up at the Pittsburgh airport at three o'clock. You know, it's just, it's like, however, you know, this is not just the filler in the letter. Um, this is not just the filler in the letter. There's a lot of really great stuff that, uh, that, that, that's in here. If you're a part of a, uh, of a Mercy Commons life group, which I would highly encourage you to do. I mean, we're not a giant church, but even at a church this size, life groups are really the, the life force of the church where you can be known 
um, where you can receive care, where you can give care. It's where we practice the one another's. It's an amazing thing. So if you're, if you're in one, uh, you probably watched the Bible Project video uh, at the beginning of the Philippian series. If you, if you didn't, you can Google it. Just don't do it now. Um, it, it's probably way better than my sermon, and it's in three minutes. So, but don't do it. Uh, you can do it later. Um, it's brilliant. If you've not heard of the Bible Project video or series, they, they take essentially books of the Scripture, and the narrator walks you through the structure and the main points, and then they draw it. Um, so for, for right-brainers like myself, it's, 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 really, it's really wonderful. And here's the cool thing uh, about that structure. This is, this is the video. This is, at the end of the video, you see this. Like the narrator has walked you through this massive visual map of the book to help you understand how it's all tied together. What's cool about it is, and we have to, to kind of understand this as we're walking through Philippians, is that the way that Paul has essentially structured the book, the heart of the book is essentially what Nick preached on last week. It's this Christ hymn. The Messiah poem is what they call it here. The, the one that talks about how Jesus humbled himself and therefore uh, God exalted him to the highest place. And then all of the other bits of the book, Paul has that in his mind as he's reflecting back on it. So this morning, we have to keep that in mind. As we're going to talk about these two guys and what happens, we have to keep in mind the, the, the Christ hymn. That the reality is that the passage that we're talking about this morning is about imitation. And it's, it's, it's about how two concrete examples, Timothy and Epaphroditus, are concrete examples of imitating what you see in the Christ hymn, of how Christ emptied himself, served, and God lifted, lifted him up. It's really important to keep that in mind all throughout the series, that that's, that's at the heart of what, uh, of what uh, Paul is actually teaching. So in order to kind of get us in that frame of mind, I'm, I'm, I'm going to ask you if you can stand. We're going to read together out of, out of reverence for God's word and this ancient, ancient poem. This is, this is, people have been quoting this, singing this, talking about this for thousands and thousands of years. We're going to read it together. If it comes up. There you go. <clears throat> have this mind among yourselves, which is in Christ Jesus who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men and being found in human form. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. You can be seated. So if you're looking for a title for, for a sermon, you can call this one Worth Imitating. Um, because it's really all about the imitation of, of the, humility, uh, the humility of Christ. And uh, imitation really kind of happens in two different ways. There's, there's nature and there's nurture, right? And uh, this, uh, this photo, this, this photo here, is a, is a photo of a dear, a dear friend of mine. His name is Rock. Uh, Rock passed away about 10 years ago last month from an inoperable brain, brain tumor. Rock was full of joy, loved Jesus, can't wait to see him again. Can't wait to see him again. He never got to meet his little girl. Uh, his wife was pregnant um, when, uh, when, when he passed. Um, but I think you can see the resemblance, <laughs> right? I love this photo because I love, I love my friend Rocky. 
but I also love it because it just reminds me that we, we come from somewhere. Uh, we, have, uh, we have roots. We stand on the shoulders of those people who have come before us. We, are, we, we carry a nature. Uh, that can be both good news and bad news. Here's the good news first. Here's the good news. In Christ, spiritually, Galatians 4, 4 through 7 says, But when the fullness of time had come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law, in order to redeem those who were under the law so that we might receive adoption as children. And because you are children, God has sent the spirit of his son into your hearts, crying, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but a child. And if a child, then also an heir through God. You have received a down deposit, a down payment of a new nature uh, that, that is resonant within you. There is, a, there is a nature in you that desires to imitate, uh, Im- imitate the Father. It's been planted in you. That's the good news. Here's kind of the, here's kind of the flip side of that coin. Uh, we are still, even though we have been crucified with Christ, we are still in these bodies awaiting the fullness of resurrection, right? So we still have hang-ups. We still sin. The Bible says if you say that you're without sin, you're a liar. You make God a liar. Um, uh, it, we sin. That, that's a part of the human condition. So there's, there's always, this, uh, always this wrestling that actually happens. Pete Scazzaro, a guy um, who's written a number of books on kind of emotional health, emotional spiritual health, put it this way. Jesus lives in your heart, but grandpa lives in your bones. Um, and part of coming to Christ and part of the renewing of the mind is we get more of Jesus into the bones uh, as, as well. Um, honoring grandpa, but getting more of Jesus into the bones. Because that's, what, that's what's going to happen. One day we will be like him, right? Isn't that what the scripture tells us? Um, so imitation happens through nature, and, and, and there's, there's good news, bad news with that. You have a deposit that wants to work with it, uh, and you have grandpa who's fighting against it. Uh, so we get to come to Jesus and allow him to start to work, work that out. That's where the next thing really comes into play is nurture. So imitation happens through nature uh, and, and nurture. Uh, you know, we've heard all of these kind of stories of, of parents and kids and how, how, they imitate, uh, how they imitate things. It was, it was a couple months back, uh, Sienna, my daughter, she's four, um, she came, I wasn't home, she came out of her room and she had she'd been messing with like some pictures or something and she came out super frustrated um, and, and told Valerie, uh, so she said something along the lines of like, mommy, the, uh, the, 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 the pictures, I can't get the pictures straight. I can't get the pictures straight. I can't deal. I can't deal. I'm like, okay, we don't talk like that. <laughs> Valerie freely admitted sometimes she feels like that, but she's like, I don't say that. <laughs> we, that's not something that we say. A couple days later, was on one of, one of, the, one of the little cartoons that, we, that she was watching. I'm like, oh, that's where she got that. I'm like, man, kids are sponges, right? We, human beings are, are sponges. There are things called mirror neurons in, 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 our, in our minds that, that, that uh, it's, it's how we like mimic one another. It's, it's how we learn. Learning happens best through immersion and following and not just sheer information. Uh, there, is, there is a real thing to coming alongside of one another. I mean, have you ever thought about this? Jesus is the smartest man to ever live. I don't know if you've ever thought about that before, but he was the smartest man to ever live. He could have very easily said, uh, hey, Matt, get out a piece of paper and an ink quill. I got some important things to say. You better write it down exactly the way that I say it because it's way too important for you to screw it up. <laughs> uh, write this, Matthew. He didn't do that. You ever wonder why he didn't do that? He could have done that. 
He didn't do that because there is something that happens in the transfer of life on life, discipleship, passing the word of God on to one another, embodying it. The word of God became flesh and dwelt among us. The word of God has come into us and, and we get to embody it to, to one another. There is something that cannot be, cannot be transferred just by dictation. It has to come through life on life, shaping. We become like the people that we follow. Uh, you know, Paul says to follow him as, as he's following Christ. Um, the, the, the reality is that's a natural thing. You produce kind of in, in your kind. Um, you know, it's what he talks about with, with Timothy. Timothy's like a son to him. Uh, I have a, another, another, another picture um, of me and, uh, me and a gentleman. Uh, I think you can see maybe a little bit of the resemblance. That was a happy accident. This guy, a lot of the things that you'll hear me say, I got from this guy. He was my pastor for a long time uh, and, is a dear friend of, and is a dear friend of mine. You have to, be, you have to pay attention to who you follow um, because who you follow, you will take on. You will take on their, their attributes. Um, Diedrich Bonhoeffer, in his uh, classic work, Life Together, he, uh, he, he, he put this idea of life on life this way. He said, But God has put his word into the mouth of men in order that it may be communicated to other men. When one person is struck by the word, he speaks it to others. God has willed that we should seek and find his living word in the witness of a brother in the mouth of a man. That does bring us to a critical question I want you to ponder very briefly here this morning is who are you following and where are they leading you? Seriously, (laughs) think about that. There's lots of things that are leading us in all sorts of different directions. People, ideas, all sorts of stuff. And we have to pay attention to how we're being led. Obviously, the Sunday school answer is Jesus, but there's a whole lot of people that are a lot closer to you that you can touch that are actually having an impact and an influence uh, on your life. Are they leading you to a greater commitment to the bride of Christ, a greater commitment to him and to his service and to the way that he loves? Or are they leading you in a different, in a different direction? Secondly, second important question is, who are you leading? You may not think of yourself as a leader. Guess what? You are. Someone is, lead, someone is following you. This whole thing is we're called to disciple. It's not just to be a student, it's to make students. As we, and there's one teacher, it's Jesus. It's not the guy up here in a pulpit. Like there's one teacher and we follow him and we, and we come alongside of other people that are maybe a little farther along than, than, than we are to, to, to learn things about how, how to follow him better. So Paul's going to give us two examples, two very concrete examples from this passage today of imitation. And really, it's how these men imitate a certain humility uh, that really is quite, quite beautiful. So we're going to talk a little bit about, a little bit about humility and, and a humility that's really worth imitating. So I'm going to briefly reread portions of, the, portions of the Scripture, talk about Timothy and Epaphrodites, and then we're going to jump, jump further in. For I have no one like him, Timothy, who will be genuinely concerned for your welfare, for they all seek their own interests, not those of Jesus Christ. But you know Timothy's proven worth, how as a son with a father he has served with me in the gospel. I have thought it necessary to send to you Epaphroditus, my brother and fellow worker and fellow soldier. Honor such men, 
for he nearly died for the work of Christ, risking his life to complete what was lacking in your service to me. This passage is really the only place that we meet Epaphroditus. You, know, you, don't, you don't see him any, any, anywhere else. He was, obviously he was loved by Paul. He was really critical to the, to the Philippian church. Um, and he was a man that was willing to risk much in service to Christ. Notice in that verse, and we're going to talk a little bit more about this, it doesn't say, it doesn't say uh, that he died for the work of the Philippian church. It says he died for the work of Christ. There's a big difference. What was he laying his life down for in service? That's, a bit, that's an important point to, 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 not, to not miss. Um, Timothy, Timothy, we met Timothy in, in Acts chapter 16 as we started this Philippian series off. We talked a little bit about Timothy. Um, Timothy is, is really kind of Paul's right-hand man. He, he, uh, he's uh, a young man, a young pastor. He's followed, followed uh, Paul around on, on several missionary journeys. We know that he was, uh, he, was, he was helping to pastor in Ephesus. Two books of the Bible, First and Second Timothy, were written to him from Paul as an encouragement uh, and, and to exhort him to continue on uh, as, he, as he was a young man. Uh, an amazing, amazing young guy. Thought really uh, was, was highly regarded in, in, in the church and was like a son to Paul. Paul tells us that he's got no one quite like him, that he is a man of genuine concern for the church. A genuine concern a person who's been proven because he's shown up. <laughs> he's been faithful. You have seen it. He tells, he tells the Philippian church, you've seen this. How have they seen it? Because he showed up. Because he showed up. What do we learn about humility from these two examples? I want to break down just kind of three things. Humility is not self-centered. Okay, that's probably a no-brainer. <laughs> um, humility, and this one's going to be, sound a little trickier, and I want you to hang with me. Humility is not first others-centered. And that's, uh, we're going to talk about what I mean by that because that sounds a little counterintuitive. First others-centered. Humility is Christ-centered first. So we're going we're to talk, talk, talk a little bit about that. The first one, humility is not self-centered. Um, you know, I, I, don't know if, I don't know about you, I, I like the show Parks and Rec. Um, uh, it's, you know, it's... Yeah, I just like that show. There's there's this there's this great uh, there's this great um, thing that the characters uh, Donna and Tom Hepperford um, like to do once a year. <clears throat> once a year, it's called treat yourself, treat yourself, clothes, treat yourself, fragrances, treat yourself, massages, treat yourself, mimosas, treat yourself. Uh, okay, so this is like a ridiculous example of this. You know, like even the show makes fun of how ridiculous this is. Um, but the, the, the idea of kind of the consumerism uh, that leads to an, uh, a kind of a uh, all-in self-care that's just totally ridiculous, um, the idea of being self-centered can seep into our culture in ways that are a little tricky to us, actually, that impact us, impact me, um, in ways that I'm, I'm, I'm not necessarily always aware of. And, and what it has to do with, for us, for most of us, is the idea of the gospel is not a gospel of comfort only, or lack of, lack of inconvenience. Um, so in some ways, we can kind of believe that what God is calling us into is, is something of more of like an insurance policy out of difficulty. Um, that, that, you know, things are just going to be good. Things are going to be good, right? I come to Jesus and things are good, right? Right? <laughs> many things are amazing, but many things are difficult. Jesus told us that 
uh, that in this life you will have trouble, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. I'm not leaving you alone. We're going to get there. Right? So the gospel is not inviting us into a, a, life of, a life of convenience and a life of ultra comfort. There's nothing wrong with convenience or comfort. So I'm not, don't hear what I'm not saying. But that can bleed into, because our culture is like, treat yourself, treat yourself. Like, you deserve it. Oh, you, you. And, and that, that can add up and influence us in ways we have to pay attention. We have to pay attention to. Um, you know, we have, we have uh, gurus like, Hillary. I'm going gonna to pick on uh, poor Oprah here for a second. You know, where she says something like, follow your feelings. So listen, this is a serious quote. And by the way, I can find plenty of things that she said that I would agree with, so I don't think people are black and white, okay? So, but this one, here's one. Follow your feelings. If it feels right, move forward. If it doesn't feel right, don't do it. I am sure glad Jesus didn't believe that. Paul reminds us that Jesus left the comfort of the glory of his Father. Nick talked about that last week. That he, was dis- he, he discomforted himself by becoming a slave and obedient to death. Even death on a cross. I think we can agree that that probably didn't feel good. Likewise, Timothy, <laughs> Timothy was definitely a guy who didn't put his comfort in, in, in front of the gospel. He's a grown man and let himself be circumcised so that the gospel wouldn't be hindered in their very first trip out to talk about why people didn't need to be circumcised. <laughs> Nick talked about it. So he, what, what we're signing up for is, is thankfully not anything like that, but it's definitely not. It's definitely not just a life of convenience. God invites us into more, into richer, into richer and full life to follow the one that emptied himself. Epaphroditus didn't need to get up and, and take a trip that was significantly life-threatening. That wasn't convenient. He didn't have an Uber. There wasn't a plane that he jumped on. You know what I'm saying? Like, that was a, that was a big investment to go and give some guys some money so that he didn't starve. And he understood that what he was doing was serving Christ in that, not just serving Paul. The, the, the gospel invites us into doing hard things. One of the ways that I, I know for myself that, that God's challenging me, like left and right, especially the last few years, is just in saying difficult things. If you know me, I'd rather hug you um, than, than, than tell you something hard. But I am learning that we all need hard things said to us. As I'm, as, I'm being, as I'm a dad of small kids, one of the things I'm asking God is like, I want them to know that I love them. They are completely loved. But I want to challenge them. I want them to grow. I don't want them jumping through hoops for me. I want them to grow. I believe more for them. This is the gospel that we have been invited into. This is the Savior that we're following. You are invited into more. You're invited to grow. You're invited to be countercultural to the treat yourself idea. The second way that, that, this, that, that humility and, 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 and kind of self-seeking bleeds into our culture, and it's really tricky because there's some really good things about it, as I, I, I kind of call this the hashtag hustle. Right? So we have this culture that worships productivity. It worships getting stuff done, getting ahead, build your brand, you know, secure your platform, 10 trips to this. Like, literally, like, these are, these are, if you Google 
hustle on Amazon, you're going to find lots of books on, 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 this, idea of, on this idea of hustle. Is, it, is there anything wrong with really hard work? No, not at all. God invented work, and, uh, and he calls us to, to do it hard and, 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 and thorough, right? Um, however, we're surrounded by, you can go to the next, this meme, we're surrounded by ideas like this. I've got a dream worth more than my sleep. Okay, that's one side. The other side of the screen is what the scripture says. Unless the Lord builds the house, those who build it labor in vanity, in vain. It is vain that you rise up early and go late to rest, eating the bread of anxious toil, for he gives sleep to his beloved. We have got to be people of biblical thinking. We live in a tricky culture where is there anything wrong with having a dream? Not at all. God gives dreams. Is there anything at all with setting goals and building towards it? No, not at all. It's the vanity and anxious toil that is a problem. And our culture is constantly pushing. You're not enough. You're not enough unless you do this, do this, build that, get recognition, more followers, all that stuff is anxious toil, mentally and physically. And that is not what we see modeled in Jesus or Timothy or Epaphroditus. Jesus could have grasped his equality with God. He could have taken his kingdom. He was the rightful king. From the very beginning, he did not do that. He let it go in the trust of his father. Timothy, Timothy could have done his own thing. He submitted and he followed this guy Paul as he was following Christ into the work of the ministry. Epaphroditus, he had, there was no physical return on that investment. <laughs> you know, in fact, Paul talks a little bit about his own story. He, calls it, he says, says of himself that he's a drink offering that his life would be a drink offering. Epaphroditus is basically offering himself as well as a drink offering. You know what the drink offering was in, in, the, in, the, Jewish, in, the, in the Jewish sacrificial system? Is essentially you take a, take a quart of wine and you pour it onto the altar, into the fire. It just disappears. That seems wasteful. <laughs> it's not. It's, it's, it's eternal. It has eternal significance. You don't necessarily see a specific return on investment here. They understood what they were doing and how and whom they were actually serving. No, humility is not submitting to the grind and building your kingdom and putting your hand to the... It, 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 it's this idea that it's, we get to put our hands to the plow of the gospel um, and work for Christ. Humility then, so that's the treat yourself and the hustle. Humility is also not first, and that word first is key, others-centered. Now, there's going to be some people in this room that struggle with this more than others. Um, this is something that I myself have, have struggled with. Uh, I like to call this one hashtag codependent. <laughs> so, this is kind of the opposite of that treat yourself kind of, kind of, kind of mentality. This is the kind of love um, where, you know, I, I'm here to help in order to make sure that I'm okay. I'm here to help you so that I'm okay. Um, or that I want you to think really well of me, or I don't want anybody to be upset, or there's needs, I don't matter, you matter. It, it's taking a good thing and distorting it just a little bit. And we're going we're gonna to talk about what it truly means to be others-focused in, 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 just, in just a moment. But this idea of where your worth is absolutely indispensable, it's like, man, if I don't do this, I don't know how it's going to get done. Oh, it's all going to fall apart if I don't, if I don't, do, if I don't do this. I don't, I, so just, I, I'll tell myself, just a couple, a couple of years back, I um, started at a new job. And for those of you who don't know, I'm, 
I'm one of the pastors here, but I'm a marketplace pastor, so I have a full-time job. Um, and uh, so I was at this job, and I was hired in to help kind of change some things, or make some adjustments, make recommendations. And I was just taking the stress of the whole organization onto myself. There was lots of really good things about the organization, but there was a lot of uh, there's a lot of things about it that was like, I'm seeing this, and I'm seeing that, and I'm this and that, and like, oh, but these people are stressed out about this, and the owners aren't making this decision, and man, I was just like, I looked like that donkey. It was just, <laughs> and, and, my, and my boss, my boss did something very kind for me. The owner of the company, I, I, was, I was just kind of like, I was talking to him, he could see I was stressed, and he's like, Sean, who asked you to take on all that emotional weight? I, he goes, don't get me wrong. I love that you care about this place and you, you know, you're know, you not just punching a, punching a clock and leaving, that you have a sense of ownership, but you're not the owner. You don't, you don't, need, to, you don't need to carry all that. Man, I was like, it was God. I mean, it was kind of him, but it was God like, kind of kicking me in the butt. I was like, oh, God, I'm sorry. You're bigger than I am. This is your, like, you can handle this. Like, let me know what my part is, okay? And I'll do that. Let me know what my part is, and I'll do that. Life's been a lot better, and the company's doing a lot better. It's just fine. It's just fine without my, in the air. <laughs> Another, I, I, one, of the, one of the books I spent a, a good bit of time with is Life Together with Dietrich Bonhoeffer for this sermon. And there's, a, there's another idea that he, he had to share, uh, he had to share that I thought was really particularly helpful for me, is he says that human love, kind of that, that love that we're just all born with for one another, that has affection and there's also self-interest mixed in it, that human love is directed to the other person for his own sake. It's where you love people for what you get. And there's lots of potential layers to that. Spiritual love, love that's from above, loves him for Christ's sake. This idea that between you and I is Jesus. And Jesus loves us both. That between us, how we come, how we come, how we love is first. Humility is first then to be Christ-centered. Christ-centered. Let me ask you a question. It's not a trick question. Who was Jesus' first concern? The Father. The Father. Jesus' first concern was not actually us. His first concern was the Father. We see that all over the place. Jesus did a whole lot while he was here. You'll see him, if you read the Gospels like, like you're reading a biography, which is essentially kind of what the Gospels are. You know, like we, read, we read biographies to kind of pay attention to how people live, to kind of pick up little tips and tricks to hopefully something will rub off on us. If you read the Gospels like that, it, it'll be amazing to you. You'll see his rhythm of life. And sometimes the guy was, was so busy, he didn't even eat. But then there was lots of other times where he had, I mean, he didn't have an Uber either. That seemed pretty inefficient. He's just wasting a lot of time walking along the side of the road, right? No, it was not inefficient. God was not, God didn't send him in the wrong time. God knew when he was sending him that there is a rhythm of life that involves both slowness and hard work. Um, Jesus did a lot, but he allowed himself, part of the humility was he humbled himself to take on our limits. Human beings have limits. It's 24 hours in a day. I can have one conversation at a time, right? There's all sorts of things that Jesus did to, to, exempt, to, to show us limits. And the scripture says that he, Jesus didn't fix everybody. Have you ever thought about that? He did a lot, don't get me wrong. Like we have, he comes in and like everyone that had a demon was dealt with. 
great. That, but then there's other times where, you know, like uh, the, in the gate beautiful, we see in, 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 in Acts where, where John and Peter are on their way up to the temple. It, it says this, this, this guy was placed there every day begging. He had been there every day begging in, in, in his whole life. That means Jesus walked past him all the time. And he didn't heal him. Why? Because the scripture tells us that Jesus only did what he saw the Father doing. He submitted his love towards the people around him to the will and the care of God first. Paul tells us that, uh, that, that Timothy's genuine concern for the Philippians is rooted in the same type of an idea. And you'll miss it if you don't pay kind of extra attention. I, I like how the NLT, the New Living Translation, gets, get, gets this one, one verse. It says, Paul's kind of, in verse 21, he's kind of complaining. He's kind of like, everybody's self-seeking. You know, it's one of these moments where you can kind of hear, it's like, man, I'm frustrated. Everybody, everybody. It's like, that sounds like hyperbole, Paul. I'm sure not everybody is, is only seeking after themselves. But that's what he says. Like everybody is self-seeking, and, I have, and, 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 and all the others uh, care only for themselves and not for what matters to Jesus Christ. So Timothy, he's talking about Timothy being the kind of person that his concern is the concern about what Jesus is concerned with first. And because of that, he naturally is concerned about people because that's what Jesus is concerned about in submission to his Father through the work of the Holy Spirit. Do you see, do you see the, slight, the, the, the slight difference there? I remember, I remember the first time I got to preach the gospel. I was 21, I think. Um, and it was like at a youth group. It was like a youth group function. We, did, we put on this, like, it was back in Nashville, Tennessee. And I had never done it before. I'd never spoken in front of people. And, and um, I was supposed to give the, like, the altar call. And we put on this, like, dance club for teenage kids. And it called it U-Turn. And, you know, because you repent because you're going to make a U-Turn. It was very good. It was very good. It was, it was very 90s. It was very 90s. So, so but for, for me, something like I, I remember there was something that was happening in my personal life, a family turmoil issue, a really significant one, one in which I, I, I was completely codependent with, with my family, with a family member that was, it's not important what the details were, but I really was. Like, I was at the point where you would ask me how I was doing and I would start talking about this thing. Like, I, I just disappeared. I didn't exist. But I was really focused that week. And, 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 and like, I, you know, and the morning of, the morning of something blew up. And I was so mad. I was angry. I was angry. And I remember going into my room and kneeling down and praying. And I was mad at Satan. I was mad at the enemy. And I started praying like, I'm going to hit you back. I'm going to, and God spoke to me very clearly. He said, son, Speak to the rock. I don't know if you know what that is. That's a deep track <laughs> from the Old Testament. Moses, the first time he pr produced water uh, in, in, the, in the wilderness, God had him speak to it, and water came, water came out. The next time, he smacked it with a rock because he was angry and he was frustrated, frustrated by the grumbling of the people. That, that, that snapped me out of it. God said to me, son, speak to the rock. Your anger is no good here. Like, when we submit ourselves to what the concerns of Christ are, it actually works. It produces life. 
we're able to serve, we're able to love, we're able to lay ourselves down because we have a self to lay down. It's an important, it's an important principle. Band, you guys can uh, join me back, join me back up here. I, I love, and I know that the, at the women's retreat, um, you, you, talk, you talked a little bit about this. Uh, I know Val talked about this. It's a, a verse that I love. It's a, it's a beautiful, it's a beautiful, beautiful verse um, in Matthew eleven twenty eight through 30. And it's when Jesus is, 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 is talking, to, talking to, the, to the disciples, to, to people in general that are around him. He says, come to me, all you that are weary and carrying heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. We are yoked to Jesus. This is a picture of a yoke. It is a tool of work. It's not a tool of treat yourself. It's not, a, it's not a tool of hustle. But it is a tool of work. And what happens in this picture, why it's so beautiful, is what they would do with young oxen and older oxen. The older oxen knew what it's like to work hard and go at a good pace to get the work done. And he would train the younger oxen. They'd always put a younger ox and, a, and an older ox together because sometimes the younger ox didn't want to work and needed to learn what it was like to put their hand essentially to the plow, to the yoke, and pull. Because work is good. Service is good. It's good. It's good to love others. It's good to give of ourselves. It's good. But some ox were pretty ambitious and thought they could get the, get the thing done in no time. And those ox had to get pulled back and learn to go at the pace of the older ox. Jesus is teaching us in this passage that we kind of don't know what that looks like until we come to him. He says, come to me. Come to me. How do we learn to become the kind of people that don't fall into the traps of our culture, don't tr fall into the traps of peer pressure, don't fall into the traps of looking good at church, at work, anywhere else, but that our eyes are on our Father, our eyes are on Jesus, and we are seeking to serve him first. And through that, love others. That is the only way that we're going we're gonna to give anything that lasts. Jesus literally says this. We can do nothing apart from him. Does that mean that you can't actually accomplish things? No. In fact, you can build a big church without Jesus. You can do lots of stuff without him. He said, many will come to him in that day saying, Lord, Lord, didn't we do this? Didn't we build this? Didn't we cast out demons in your name? Didn't we prophesy in your name? Didn't we do? And he says, I'm sorry, who are you? We have got to come to him. Come to me. Come to me. And guess what? We will learn to work. We will learn to rest. We will learn to keep in step with our Savior, our King, the one who knew how to humble himself, even to the point of death because he knew what he was investing had a return on the other side. 
for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross, despising its shame. I just want to leave you with this one last thing. It struck me this week. I've been reading the Gospels kind of like I told you, like as a biography, trying to pay attention to Jesus' life. And Mark chapter 3, verse 13 and 14 is where Jesus picks out his disciples. And man, this hit me. I was, I was, I was sitting with the Lord and it just, it hit me as not only an encouragement, but a challenge. A challenge in the best way. It says that he went up the mountain and he called to him those whom he wanted. If you're hearing his call today, let me tell you the first thing. He wants you. He wants you. And they came to him. (laughs) He called them and they came to him. And he appointed 12. And what did he appoint them to? This is the part that I love. It says three things. The first thing it says is to be with him. Jesus appointed 12 to do what? First, to be with him. Second, the second thing is to be sent out to proclaim the message. The third is to take authority over the demonic. Before you get to the doing, and the doing is important, we are called to follow a Jesus who does, who serves, who shows up, who commits, who lays down his life. We're called to be with him. And we learn from him and from others that are doing the same thing, how to do that well. And that is worth imitating.